politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for our life, liberty, property, culture, sovereignty, security, all of it. In fact, there's nothing that's not on the chopping block here on this December 12th. It is Tuesday, and we have precious few days here until the end of the year. And we're trying to prepare for next year. A lot of people are giving predictions uh, what's going to happen politically, geopolitically, security-wise. If I had to call my shot for the year of 2024, I do believe it is going to be like 2020 and maybe even worse in terms of rioting. We had last night Palestinian protesters block I-94 in Minneapolis, and it's another election year. Hamas is BLM 2.0, it's global, and it's going to continue. So we've been talking a lot the last month about the need to create local sheriff's posses, local militias, an organized group of Patriot Defense Corps citizens in red counties, at least red counties, where we share our values, where we are supposedly on par or in sync with the values of the elected officials or vice versa. They're in sync with our values, and we're not doing a good job of that, but we need to do a better job of that. And then, you know, so you're not some sort of uh, lone force where the FBI could uh, destroy you. You're under the color of law, and you are prepared to defend yourself and your community against this growing violence. But as I noted, it's not just the violence. It's not just the anarchy. It's the tyranny, too. This is ultimately the building block for the two-state solution that we need, not in Israel, but here. And to be that bulwark to interpose against federal tyranny and other forms of tyranny. But first, we have to make red states red, red counties red, And we're going to be building on that into the new year, but we're going to have Sheriff Mark Lamb, the author and implementer, at least on some level, of this sheriff's posse idea coming up momentarily. Uh, But I want to make sure we just get out some of the news of the day uh, before we get Mark on the show. Today, we're sponsored by our friends at Patriot Mobile. Okay, a lot of people are into New Year's resolutions. Well, here's one for you. How about stop supporting China and the woke agenda from the big three mobile providers that spy on you, sell your data, and uh, fund every cause under the sun that's just demonic and, and leftist? Patriot Mobile is America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, and now they're offering a free smartphone. If you switch today, patriotmobile.com slash CR or call 972-PATRIOT. But you, you, if you give them promo code FRIDAY76, it's FRIDAY76, it's a limited time offer, you could get a free phone. A lot of times they charge now. Um, nowadays, a, a lot of money, sometimes over $1,000 over the course of three years uh, for a new phone. So this is free with FRIDAY76. You could keep your phone number. And the only thing you're not keeping is funding the woke values. Again, go to patriotmobile.com slash CR or call their guaranteed English-speaking hotline at 972-PATRIOT. Give them promo code FRIDAY76. 
76. So we're just going to go through a couple of news stories again before we get back to the sheriff's posses. Jack Smith, the special uh, counsel, he is taking the question of presidential immunity, even post-president, directly to the Supreme Court. And that tells us a couple things. Number one is it's right after the Biden or Hunter Biden indictment. So it gives them the cover that, oh, no, no, we're fair, even-handed. See, we're going after the sitting Democrat president's son, so now we can go after Trump. Smart move on on their part. And, and by the way, Dems are always willing to throw Hunter Biden under the bus if it helps their cause. Unlike our side that will dogmatically double down on failure theater, they're not about any one person. Everyone is like, oh, the double standard. So they're like, all right, we'll take the talking point off your hand. We'll throw Hunter Biden under the sun. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they give him a long jail sentence. Fundamentally, most of their you know, operatives and BLM and Antifa people aren't getting sentences. So they don't care. They'll pick one person. But moreover, Jack Smith wouldn't take this to the Supreme Court preemptively if he didn't think he'd win. And I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to it today, but holy smokes, Amy Coney Barrett uh, screwing us again, and this time Gorsuch along with her on a a gay conversion therapy case is unbelievable. Uh, This Supreme Court sucks. I'm just going to tell you that to varying degrees, all three of Trump's appointees do not measure up to Thomas and Alito. Thomas is one, Alito is two, and then Gorsuch is usually three, but not in this case with the gay conversion therapy. He's got issues with that, some of the tranny stuff with Gorsuch. Um, so the point is that I don't know if psychologically our friends on the right think that the Supreme Court is their ace in the hole to save Trump, but it's not. So again, what is their plan? But I'll tell you what the establishment plan is. Governor Sununu in New Hampshire just endorsed Nikki Haley. Now, we we thought he was saying some nice things about DeSantis, and it didn't make sense because he's a complete leftist. But, you know, he's going back to his home base, which makes sense, supporting Nikki Haley. They're two peas in a pod. And what it demonstrates is what I keep saying. Sununu is not stupid politically. He, he understands politics. He understands that by him endorsing Nikki Haley in New Hampshire, it ensures that no matter how successfully DeSantis drives down Haley in Iowa, she will never pull out. So you're you're going to once again, just like we did in 2016, you're not going to have a clean conservative case against Trump from the right. You're going to have this muddled, divided vote. And he can't be stupid enough to think that somehow that gets Nikki Haley the nomination. Okay. Everyone knows that already 10 years ago, they were done with people like that, at least at a presidential level. And that's why Trump and Cruz got 80% of the vote back then. There's no way she could win the nomination. It just ensures Trump wins. And this is another data point that just shows you they don't fear Trump. The establishment knows that Trump does his thing and they continue to do their thing because they occupy the policy space, which is why the Republican Party has not changed one iota since he has had a lock on the party. In fact, his lock is more on 
thumb-sucking, outside, conservative, fake conservative, uh, gum-flapping noisemakers. That's what his lock is upon. The actual policy, it's the same thing it always was. Nothing has changed. Whereas if DeSantis gets the nomination, Sununu's entire worldview is out the window. That's number one. Number two, I do think there is a contingency plan. Uh, you know, the Trump people might not know it, but we know it. The establishment knows it, and the Democrats know it, that his goose is cooked. There's nothing you can do about that. If you're worried about Trump personally saving him, the best thing is to get DeSantis the nomination and win the presidency to pardon him. But what's going to happen is, uh, you know, they're going to throw him in jail. Or at least house arrest permanently in Mar-a-Lago. And then they want to position Nikki Haley in a way that they can get her the nomination from the party poobahs. So that might be another contingency there. But again, it just demonstrates the party is irremediably broken. It's the same thing. And, and by the way, he, here's another example. Last night, the House GOP had a conference meeting. And they were going to put two competing bills on the floor for FISA reauthorization. One is the fake bill from Intelligence Committee Chair Mike Turner that makes no reforms and, in fact, in some cases expands uh, the FBI's authority for warrantless uh, searches. And then there's Andy Biggs' bill, which actually has some Democrat buy-in because of their privacy issues, so whatever. But, you know, the conference is too divided. So we can't even make those reforms the majority of even House Republicans, before you even get to the Senate, rhinos, they they have no they fundamentally have no problem with the FBI, and and they they make excuses. Well, there's Hamas, Hezbollah, yeah, as if the FBI is focused on them. So what they're probably going to do is the Senate's going to vote on the NDAA today, which has a FISA seven hundred two extension. The House will probably vote on it tomorrow or Thursday. And, you know, maybe we'll get 70 Republican no votes or something like that in the House and maybe 10 at most in the Senate, probably more like seven or eight. And that's it. (laughs) That's your Republican Party for you. Never forget that. This is the third most important leverage point. We went through the year blowing the debt ceiling. They blew the budget bill and now the defense authorization bill. All the woke stuff is in there. All the social engineering is in there. All the green energy stuff is in there. Everything that you hate from the current military is going to be reauthorized with zero reforms. And then not only that, they stick on a NATO provision. They stick on a FISA provision. And then all the while, the few things that we need a military for, they're not doing it. We talked a lot about the Houthis blocking shipping lanes in the Bab al-Mandab Strait, out of the Red Sea into the Gulf of Aden. Well, today they fired a cruise missile at a Norwegian-flagged oil tanker and created a large fire. So a U.S. uh, ship, I believe the USS Mason, responded. Not responding in an offensive way, just to you know help the crew, and nothing is happening. So why even have a military? The piece I did at the Blaze, a trillion dollar military, and we can't keep shipping lanes open. It really resonated with a lot of people, and this is the sort of thing that you debate in an NDAA. 
not just the funding levels, the $886 billion, but what is it that we have a military for? What's the purpose? So nothing there. Nothing there. So th- there's, a, there's a lot going on today I didn't get to, um, and hopefully we'll get to on the other side of the interview, if not tomorrow, there's some economic news. Inflation is still, you know, you know, coasting for many, many critical items at high levels and even increasing and soaring in certain critical categories, despite a really precipitous drop in the price of oil, which again shows that the inflation was not really at its core driven by the Ukrainian war and the crisis with oil in 2022, because you stripped that away and it's still there. It was driven by the debt driven inflation, which is getting worse. I have a lot of news on that with the treasury auctions. And of course, again, that did not come out of nowhere. Um, There's an 18-month lag that began, we all know, with the $9 trillion debt man, the greatest debt president uh, in American history, and there's no close second, Donald J. Trump. I know people don't like to hear that, but what do you want me to tell you? It didn't come out of nowhere, but that's with that. So I want to get to our special guest, how to defend ourselves against a Hamas-like attack which we're seeing the number of Hamas supporters in this country is unreal. Now, it's it's not a majority. I mean, it's a small minority, but it's a heck of a lot of individuals. Uh, so you got to get training. And, and we're going to do our training out at uh, Patriot Academy next week. And everything is repetition. Clearing malfunctions, drills, drawing from the holster, uh, sight alignment, picture alignment, grip, trigger control. You could do all of that dry fire practice. Now, it makes it a lot more realistic and fun if you use iTarget Pro. It's a laser bullet you put in your uh, gun or rifle. They have two, two, three uh, versions of it too. And you you put up their target, you download the app and you could time your shots. You see where they go and you get everything minus the recoil, which you shouldn't be anticipating anyway. By the way, I'm pretty sure if you would order it now, itargetpro.com, put in promo code CR for 10% off, it will come before Christmas. So again, if if you have a friend that's into shooting, it, it would make a great present, a very unique present. You make back the cost with one training. Um, I'm, I'm like scrambling now to find deals on nine millimeter and I, I can't find any. I mean, they're bad. It's like you can't really get below 25 cents a bullet. And, uh, you know, 223, forget it. It's like, you know, 50 cents a bullet. So it's very expensive. Now you got to go and I continue to go, but, you know, you can't train as much as you want to. It's just too expensive. This is the way to do it. And by the way, I saw somewhere that ammo is going to go up 7% next year. So all the more so get your uh, dry fire training today, the safest, most efficient, smartest way to train and, you know, it's not cool, but it gets the job done for, for cheap. So, again, itargetpro.com, offer code CR. So, speaking of dry fire practice, folks, you know, we talk about this a lot. Everyone's like, I got my guns, I got my AR, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. But the bottom line is, a lot of people aren't properly trained, and moreover, I mean, as we saw in Israel, one guy ain't enough. If you have an entire breakdown of security, 
and you just have mobs roaming through civilian uh, suburban neighborhoods, you got a problem. You need a prepared, unified, trained force to deal with that. And we saw this in 2020. I mean, it almost came to that. I think you go to places like Portland and Seattle, they were already starting to march into uh, residential neighborhoods, shining lasers in houses at, at night. It, it was an inch away from that. Certainly on the streets, they were doing that, uh, lynching people, surrounding cars. And here we are, once again, they're doing it again. 2024 is a presidential election year. They will be doing that. We've talked a lot about uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb's sheriff's posse idea of deputizing ordinary citizens almost into what really should be along the lines of what our founders envisioned, uh, county militias of by and for trained uh, citizens in that area. And it is something that I would love to see replicated elsewhere. So I want to understand it. But also it's important uh, to note that Mark Lamb, again, he's been Pinal County Sheriff for six years. He is now running for Senate as a Democrat-held seat. And you might hear a lot of flashy candidates and noise and people that, you know, discover conservatism late in their life, but then it's all about one man or one idea. But then there are people that are quietly implementing these ideas and fighting for us a lot longer since before these people knew where the bathroom was politically. Uh, it's really immortalized in Sheriff Lamb's book, American Sheriff, Traditional Values in a Modern World. Oh, and by the way, he is six foot three, too. So some of that crowd should approve of him as well, because evidently that's the biggest qualification, how tall you are. So on that front, hey, Sheriff, thanks so much for joining us today. <laughs> well, I'm glad I was blessed with that then. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I, I well, wish you could have me on. Man. I wish you could donate some of that to me. Um but I want to start off. So I want to hit it. Hit all three: your Senate run and the border. And you know, I want to start off with. I, I I believe this is going to be the year of the riot. I mean, we certainly have to be prepared for that. You had the vision to set this up with the first round of riots. Could you just give us the top lines of the numbers, the how to, the sort of training? What does it look like to have citizens sheriff posse's? Well, you know, and you're right. Look, Daniel, the government is is notorious for creating chaos. That's what government has done throughout history, because when you have chaotic situations, it creates a need for government, you know, and government wants to swoop in and try to save while they create chaos. Um, but, yeah, we we struggle with always trying to make sure that we maintain the peace in our communities. And obviously it's getting harder and harder every year with the with the decisions being made, with the way politics is with the way society is crumbling and not just here in america we see globally we've seen a lot of crumble of society and so as a sheriff my job one of the duties of the job the, the sheriff in arizona per the constitution is for it to our per our arizona law is to prevent and suppress all phrase breaches of the peace riots and insurrections that come to my knowledge and so you start thinking about that that's a lot of responsibility well, I only have 600 employees in the county the size of the state of Connecticut, and only 250 of those guys are actually sworn deputies that could actually affect an arrest or go out and do that. So um, I think that the people who wrote this originally in Arizona knew that that would be a tall order. So they also added in that the sheriff 
can command as many inhabitants of the county as he deems necessary. I can also say that I, the sheriff may assist in executing the duty, or the sheriff in executing the duties prescribed in the section may request the aid of a volunteer posse and reserve organization located in the county. Well, I took that serious, and last uh, few years ago, I started creating during what we after what we saw in Minnesota. I created, uh, I amplified because I already had a volunteer posse. I have a, a patrol posse, um, and I amplified that by creating a volunteer posse. So, describe the the training um, and duties of of this posse. Like what what that looks like. You know how an ordinary citizen, maybe you know, you you have a lot of military veterans that want to use their training, or maybe people that don't have that type of training to get involved, care about their communities. How did you find these people and go about training them? Well, when we do our patrol posse, they go through a, a rigorous background, just like the deputies do. And when we get to the uh, end of the background and they get uh, accepted, we put them through over three hundred hours of training where they go through and their firearms qualified. We do constitutional law. We train them on, on, on everything because we're going to give them a gun and a badge and a uniform and a take home car to where they can come out and volunteer and assist in the duties of the, of the, uh, of our guys out there. So our, our patrol deputies and our detectives, um, I have, and then when we really started seeing things fall apart, I went a little further and I created a volunteer posse, which was, a civilian type posse where we were just giving them about four to six hours of, of constitutional training, what the sheriff's office comprised of and actually ran them through some scenarios on our Vertra uh, trainer, which is basically, you know, like a 360 trainer where they get to go through some scenarios and see how they would respond. So we've put them through quite a bit of training and, you know, I took a lot of heat in the media and people started saying, Oh, you're creating your own militia, whatever. And I started pointing to the law and saying, look, I'm only following the law. And number two, if you need me to bring some people out, would you not want them to have some level of training? If I had yeah. to actually bring people out in case of a fire or a flood or a riot or an insurrection, would you not want these people to have some level of training or, or, or knowledge of the Constitution? And usually they could not disagree with that. So if I were you know, running a legislature, obviously in Arizona, you got a problem because of the governor. But if I were running a legislature where we had the votes, we had the governor's signature to augment this program. And, you know, because obviously you're limited, you have to do this under your own volition, you're not getting state help for it. So you're limited by budget constraints. What sort of resources and funding do you think is necessary to, to take this to the next level and and what I mean by the next level is I just want to say I, I've always felt that we have a problem in this generation where not enough people have served in the military. People don't have skin in the game. Now, not that I want to draft, but but you know, people don't have a skin in the game. And there's a lot of people that are feeling helpless, hopeless, desperate. Our government's not working for us. It's against us at, at on many levels at the federal level. And then you have a lot of retired military that are very disgruntled, retired law enforcement a lot of people would love to be a part of something. And if, especially if you have a red County that people feel strongly about, they feel at home there. Uh, they might not want to join today's military, but they feel like they could serve their community. How do we make this something more robust? 
You know, that's a great question because one of the, 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 the pitfalls anytime you have a good idea like this is when the state or the federal government get involved in the way of grant money, then they want to start dictating how it's mm. done. And I think it's very tough for one, a, one state or one federal government to dictate how a certain community needs to protect their own community. And so it is one of the challenges. I would love to see a little bit of funding without any strings attached or out without telling me how I need to do it. Funding that could help aid in, in paying for equipment that goes to some of these volunteers. Obviously, we raise a lot of our own money through our posse to pay for our, and this is through charitable donations. This is through, um, you know, we do something called country thunder where they come out and they work and they get paid. None of them take the money. The money all goes to the posse. And we use that money to pay for better equipment for tasers and guns and all the stuff that they carry when they go out. And obviously on the civilian posse, you've got thousands that I've run through my civilian posse. And so now you have to look and see, you know, how much money would you need to provide anything for them? So I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, we've managed to do it ourselves thus far, but I would love to see some, some funding to offset that. But I would want to make sure that there is no strings attached and trying to tell me how I can and cannot do it. How many people do you have in the patrol posse, the ones that go through that rigorous training, and, and how many hours do they put in? In, in other words, what kind of differentiates them from from a regular dep- deputy you know, on, on duty? Well, they don't have arresting powers, so they are not official deputies, They but they have been empowered to do pretty much everything else. So we don't let them run code, which means license sirens, and we don't let them arrest. Now, if they were with a deputy and the deputy says, hey, put cuffs on that guy, then they are acting under the authority of that deputy who, who gave them that order. Um, I have searched homes with posse guys. We have about, right now, we have about 55 to 60 active patrol mm. posse that have their own take-home cars. They wear guns. They have uniforms. And we have, they do anywhere between about 20 700 hours and 3,000 hours a month. So you can imagine what a force multiplier this is for me and my community. They do, they hold scene security and scenes so the deputies can get back out on the road. They do traffic control on accidents so the deputies can go back to their beats and keep uh, taking calls. Um, they assist us in so many different ways and they're invaluable to us. I mean, obviously, when they're giving you 2,700 to to 20 to 3000 hours, they transport prisoners. So if we arrest somebody on the other end of the County, it might take an hour plus to get to the jail and then another hour plus to get back. The posse guys will do the transporting in most cases. Wow. I mean, this, this is real innovative. So has any other sheriff about 3000 of them in the country taken up this idea? Um, you know, there's a few other sheriff's offices that have some posses. I know there's a couple of sheriff's offices in Arizona. I don't know if they're as robust as ours, you know, if they, um, if they empower their guys quite as much as ours, but, um, you know, look, we're, we're well within the statutes that the state has set forth for what we can and cannot do. And not only that, our insurance pool is more than happy to cover them on the insurance. And frankly, you might think, well, well I'm gonna, what kind of complaints must he get over people that are not, I get zero complaints. 
knock on wood, I get zero complaints from my posse guys. They do an outstanding job representing the agency and they do an outstanding job uh, mixing in with the deputies. And, and uh, it's been a huge, huge force multiplier for us and a, and a, a real help to my guys uh, who are on, understaffed in many ways. What's a typical profile of one of these individuals, these 55 you're talking about? Man, it varies. We have some younger guys. We've got some middle-aged, just retired guys. We've got some guys that are a little bit older, um, but they're all required to go through the same, uh, the same type of, uh, you know, shooting requirements. And um, they don't have the rigorous physical fitness requirements that the deputy would say, let's say have. Um, but we've got them as, I don't know, it's probably as young as in the twenties and as old as in the sixties or seventies. So, um, I would say the majority are probably going to fall within around, you know, 55 to 65 years old that are coming out and helping. Do you have buy-in from your, I don't know what you call them there, but your County commissioner supervisors, um, and local elected officials. Oh yeah, they love it. They love the Posse program. Uh, I, I I think they we had a lot of support from them when we did when we were really heavy in our civilian Posse. COVID kind of obviously changed that, and we're looking to get back to doing that again. The people of the county, because I I'm kind of with you. I'm I'm not I'm concerned about this upcoming year coming to, into an election year. I, I just. I just have a little bit of trepidation as to what our government may do to to rock the boat. Now, obviously, you're a unique area because not only is there a concern of domestic insurrection and just local crime, uh, but you're right near the border and you're a border sheriff. Um, So how much of this spills into the border stuff? So you got, you know, people deputized um, to patrol a certain area and you know you're blessed or cursed in that part of the country with the largest landmass counties around compared to where i'm from so the large land masses and then you also happen to be the area where you have just an invasion marching through so what are you seeing in terms of domestic unrest and well, well not domestic but unrest and crime resulting from those coming over the border. Yeah, and just to be clear, I mean we're we're a one we're a tier 2 county which means we are one county off the border. One of the challenging parts for our county is two challenging parts. We have a desert area on the south end of our county uh, 50 miles off the border which is an Indian reservation. It actually extends into Mexico. It goes across the border so the reservations on both sides. And this is where the cartel has historically pushed drugs and and people through. This is where a lot of the gotaways come through. Um, and this is where a lot of people that the cartels don't want to be caught, the, whether they're criminals working for the cartels, terrorists, they push them, a lot of them through the desert and they pop out into my county. The other area is anything that comes across the border, almost all of it, at some point has to come through Pinal County. I become the choke point into Phoenix. So you've got to come through one of the highways that runs right through the heart of my county, which would be the I-10, the I-8, um, the U.S. 60 highway, and they will traffic human beings and drugs up into Phoenix. And then from there, it's distributed throughout the rest of the country. Now, you might think that Arizona is overwhelmed. And while we are, 
uh, sadly, the majority of these people are being funded by our even our own government through the NGOs, non-governmental organizations, and they are flying them all over the country. They're they're distributing them. They're putting them on buses. They're um, the government has to. There's no way because we've had millions come in. Over Arizona would be overrun with people from other countries. Yet you just don't see them as much because once they hit Phoenix, they're quickly distributed throughout the country. Um, what we see here is we see pursuits. We see pursuits involving human smuggling. We see drugs, huge amounts of drugs, um, fentanyl and methamphetamine being probably the top two. We see, you know, the fentanyl addiction or the fentanyl poisonings that uh, ultimately occur with the end user here in our county, just like everybody else does. Um, we see some crime, uh, gang crime that's related to cartels and related to smuggling and drug drug smuggling. So those are some of the see, things we see we see and we've seen an increase in the last three years since this administration has been in office. And what we also see is a complete um, indifference to the rule of law because our own government has basically said to these people, well, you know, not all of our laws matter. If you break the law and come into this country illegally, we're going to go ahead and reward you. We're going to give you, you know, gift cards and we're going to give you plane tickets and cell phones. And, Wait, so can you talk about that? You hotel you, room. You've, you've made a lot of headlines the last couple of days. You're talking about that. They give $5,000 gift cards, plane tickets. Who is this? Who's doing this? Look, this, is, this has been happening for a long time. Um, but what the government does, and because the government's trying to poo-poo on it, you know, like, oh, we're not doing that. Well, what the government does is the government has NGOs, non-governmental organizations. And these people are, are incentivized to come down and participate in helping people that came into this country illegally or with false asylum claims. And so as soon as they're processed, they kind of, have people there waiting for them. The government's kind of wink, wink, nod, nod. Here comes some people that you can take care of. And they're giving them cell phones and they're giving them plane tickets to all over the country. Go down to Sky Harbor. You know how many people have messaged me since I put that video out telling me how many people on their flights that they see that have the same paperwork in a plastic gallon plastic bag with their phone charger and their phone and uh, brand new clothes on that are flying all over the country? I personally have witnessed it on every flight I take. And if you leave in the morning, you'll see a ton of unaccompanied minors being flown all over the country. Um, and not to mention, they're also giving them gift cards. Um, Border Patrol guys are telling me they're giving them gift cards to up to $5,000. Wait, wait, Border Patrol is doing it or they say that NGOs uh, are Border doing Patrol. it? The NGOs are doing it. Border Patrol is like, hey, man, these guys are giving them all this stuff. So, you know, so this is important to remember because when when we have this debate in Congress over DHS funding, so they'll say, oh, we're funding border security. But in that is they fund Catholic charities and these other you know, Lutheran charities, these other groups that then go and facilitate this through taxpayer funding where it really should be aiding and abetting, which is a, a special statute in the INA that the Supreme Court actually recently upheld. Uh, that you're you're not allowed to. You know, I mean, you have freedom of speech, but you can't do an action to entice or induce illegal immigration. I, it's interesting that your comments on this coincided with the publication of the Florida grand jury findings on the border, where they really highlighted the NGOs and how instrumental they are 
in facilitating this. Yeah, and, and, and Daniel, if you ran an, H- and an NGO and your NGO was receiving millions of dollars a year from the government, what incentive do you have to stop the problem or to support any measures that would stop the problem? You don't. You don't have any measures. As a matter of fact, you're going to continue to, you're going to help in any way you can so that the problem continues so that your NGO is capitalizing to the max off of this. Look, all of us have a human part in this. I don't want to see people just come here and be cast out to the streets either. But we have a process in place for those people to come here legally, and that's what we're asking them to do. Because if you don't, this is what happens. They end up on the streets of America. They end up cr- doing crime So because many of these people owe the cartels. And if they don't pay back the cartels, they're in big trouble. So what do they do? They start stealing. They start breaking into houses. They're going to do whatever it takes to pay the cartel because their family's lives are on the line sometimes. Now, people may say, oh, he's, he's embellishing that. No, I'm not. I am probably under uh, reporting this. Uh, the, the, the cartel's brutality is, is no joke. And they will ensure that you pay no matter what. And so this is, you know, like I did an interview the other, yesterday and they said, well, you know, Sheriff, the government is, is saying that they have no knowledge of this. And I said, of course, it's the same people that have been lying to us for the last <laughs> three years. And they're also the, being covered by the by the mainstream media, which covers their lies. Of course, they're going to claim they have no knowledge of this. But I want you to just take a second and think logically. Use your common sense for a second. How are these people flying all over the country, paying for $900 tickets to Chicago? How are these people staying in hotels like the Roosevelt in in, in, in New York City? How are these people paying for that? They're not. We are. The spares are paying for it. And what the government's doing is they're using NGOs to do it. Unbelievable. Um, so this this brings it obviously to the next level. I know you only got a couple minutes. You gotta you gotta move on. But look, you've been the consummate local elected official, and I think this is really where it needs to be at. We need to focus on sheriffs and local prosecutors, local county officials. In, in red counties, making them red, I think that's really where it's at. I have very low hopes at a federal level of doing anything, but you're you're moving on and you're running for Senate. There's a you know current Democrat seat, and you know obviously I got to ask you. We've been friends for a long time. You, you know you told me right away when you were running. Everyone's going to ask you the 800 pound gorilla in the room. Uh, Carrie Lake is running and, you know, she ran for governor. So she has all that name ID, a lot of the MAGA sort of Trump support, um, lining up the big wigs, endorsing her, getting some, you know, sitting senators endorsing her. Do you feel this is a winnable race? Number one and number two, at the end of that hill, you have about five, six conservatives in that Senate and no more. What do you think you could accomplish? Well, first of all, look, I, I strongly believe we'll, we'll win this race. Um, you know, look, sometimes it seems like the deck is stacked against you. I ran for sheriff many years ago, and uh, I was a major underdog. And everybody thought I was going to lose until the day of the election. I was like, now I think we're going to win by at least 10%. We ended up winning 63 to 37%. So we have a strong game plan in place. Um, and look, I think that this is one of those years 
I don't know that endorsements from other politicians is going to carry any water with the American people anymore. We're all fed up. So I don't think we want any type of establishment in there. I think what we want are real Americans that are going to come in and serve. We want proven conservative fighters. And over my career as a sheriff, I've proven that. And especially when we're talking about the issues we're dealing with, which are border, crime, economy, and national security. These are all things that I've been doing. I've been fighting the border and know it intimately. I know um, crime. We've reduced our crime index. I've spent the last nearly two decades fighting crime. We have, I have a budget of over $60 million and an organization of over 600 employees. I'm required to balance that budget and stay within that budget. It's something that we need in Washington. And then national security is border security right now. Like the, that is our greatest threat to national security. So, I mean, these are things that, uh, you know, if you had a mechanic, you want, you had your car, you want to take it to the mechanic. You want a mechanic that's got 20 years experience with a guy that just watched the YouTube video on it. You know, you want the guy that's got 20 years experience fixing your car. And so we feel good about the race. You know, I, I look, I love Carrie. She's a friend and we're both passionate about Arizona and we want to fix America. Um, and, and I've just learned after winning two elections that you just put your head down and you run towards the finish line and you do what you got to do. You have a good attitude. I think people are tired of the, the negative politics and, and um, we're just going to stay positive and we're going to focus on dealing with the issues. And as far as whether or not we can make an impact in, in, that, in Washington, I will just say to you, how many people stood in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square? One, one man stood in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square and literally changed a dynasty. Um, there are other people that feel the way we do. Second Kings 616, and he answered, fear not, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. Mm. And I will tell you, that is, the, that is what the sentiment is across America. And we need people that are, have the courage to stand up, and they're not bought and paid for. I can assure you, the fact that nobody's endorsed, you know, that <laughs> I don't have politicians in Washington, D.C. endorsing me, and that I don't have big money packs giving me money is exactly what you want. That is what you want, because I'm not the guy that's bought and paid for. I am the person that is going to represent the people of Arizona and America. And I hope people come support that at SheriffLanforSenate.com. We're raising enough money. We're going to be on the ballot. And I will tell you, on the ground, we are doing awesome because the sentiment in America and Arizona is we need change. Sheriff Lamb for Arizona.com. And, you know, again, I'd, I'd rather keep you in Arizona, but I, I, I understand. I mean, you, you want the border issue addressed. It's not being addressed. We don't have an effective border senator. Uh, and you've been dealing with this long before it was cool and you had these flashy names and everything. And I wanted people to recognize that work. But again, particularly on the sheriff's posse idea, um, it, it's very interesting, the panoply of issues you mentioned, because I just read uh, the Politico had this operative that put out a 15-page memo, you know, a liberal kind of sizing up the election. And they, they talked about each party's strengths and, and weaknesses. And they, they identified the Democrats' biggest weakness, and I, I know it's true, is illegal immigration and crime. That's that's really what it is. And the problem is, and I I think we all understand this with certain candidates, if they run, that will not be the issue. They might agree with us on that, but 
the left will effectively be able to accentuate other things. Whereas with people like you, I think we're going to be able to drive it around those issues. And if it's around those issues, it's the Democrat model is kind of indefensible. Um, it's a super majority against that, especially in Arizona. Um, you guys are struggling to maintain that as a, as a notional red state. So that's certainly something. I mean, if we lose Arizona permanently, uh, we can never win a national election. That's for sure. I'll give you the last word just to sew up here. Yeah, and just so people understand, there is 170,000 more registered Republicans in Arizona. You know, while we have a growing party of independents, those people feel and usually vote kind of what the percentage line is for versus Republicans and Democrats. But here's the thing. The economy is a disaster. This administration has bungled just about everything. They have the lowest approval rating. Um, and I, we can fix that. And Arizona is still a red state, but we need everybody to show up. And my message has been a message of unity. And let's we may not always see eye to eye. But let's show up for Thanksgiving dinner and let's all sit down as a family and have a great day and let's take our state back. And that's really what we need to do here. And just for all your listeners, America is redeemable. It is the greatest country in the world. Don't let any of the media or politicians make you think otherwise. This is why over 250,000 people, 10,000 plus a day are showing 250,000 a, a, a month are showing up to our borders because they want what we have been blessed with, which is freedom and the ability to make something of ourselves. And my wife and I are hell-bent and determined on protecting that. And if it means that I got to leave a job that I love in the hands of good men here and take my fight to Washington, D.C., then I will do it because that's what it's going to take to take our country back, and we're determined to do that. So please, hopefully, come stand with me. We're going to do this in Arizona. And we're going to start sending that message across this country that this is our country. Um, so please come support me at SheriffLandForSenate.com. And Daniel, thank you so much for having me on and for always being a great a voice of, of conservatism and of, of Americanism. Well, God bless. Good luck on this. And hopefully you'll keep us updated. Take care. So, folks, a lot to unpack there with our good friend, Sheriff Mark Lamb. Really good guy. By the way, my heart goes out to him. He lost his son, daughter-in-law, and grandson in a car crash uh, last year. He's gone through a lot. And this is a guy who just really believes in his in his heart. I mean, he said very early on he would never enforce any COVID fascism. Um, he's a, he's a tough-on-crime type of guy, but he gets the tyranny part of the anarcho tyranny, too. Uh, so he's against all of these, you know, federal powers and everything and under the phony guise of, oh, we're protecting you. And look, I mean, this is the dichotomy that we're seeing in these races between him and Carrie Lake. Um, my understanding is, you know, Carrie told him to run and he ran and then Carrie's like, well, now I want to run. Uh, and, and this is kind of ridiculous. I mean, Sheriff Lem has been fighting this with the border long before she's been around. So. You know, he's been a good friend of the show long before I thought he would run for Senate. And again, you know, I wanted to give him that shout out, but I didn't even bring him on so much to talk about the Senate race. It's really this sheriff's posse idea. And I think it's very innovative. And imagine if you had a you know a little bit more in terms of resources. I think we can do a lot with that. So this is something I want to push as an action item in the legislatures to empower the sheriff to create this posse you have to know because some states they don't have as much power as they have in arizona and uh 
this needs to grow into something that eventually is a unified, organized, trained militia of, by, and for the locals that is a bulwark not just against crime and invasion, but against tyranny as well. But obviously, for that to work, you know, let's face it, you need the local officials to be in sync with us. Because, look, what's the point in having a a sheriff's posse if the sheriff's office and the county officials are a bunch of rhinos? You'll just get marshaled into their stuff and their way of thinking. And obviously, you have, you know, Sheriff Lamb is good in Pinal County, but we need to do a better job making red states red again. And and we're going to obviously focus on our con action teams for January and February as these legislative sessions begin. And with that, I just want to tra- tra- transition for the final part of the show to some of the news we're seeing in red states. Wyoming, we talked about Governor Mark Gordon pimping uh, green energy at a Harvard speech while he sat down for an interview with 60 Minutes. This is from Cowboy News. Wyoming Governor Mark Gordon, Power Company of Wyoming CEO Bill Miller, and University of Wyoming School of Energy Resources Executive Director Holly uh, Krutka were interviewed by Television Magazine. And they say, Gordon surprises 60 Minutes. Whitaker narrates as... as Video segues to a Coltrane gas field, pipe flame, and wind turbines. The rancher and Republican governor unsurprisingly stands by Big Cole, but he has surprised us on just about everything else he believed around energy policy. He felt that climate change is urgent. Um, oh, I have gotten a lot of pushback, Gordon said. And... Uh, you know, Gordon obviously had a vote of no confidence against him by the Wyoming Republican Party after he gave that Harvard speech, but he basically doubled down. He doubled down on this, pushing climate change, green energy. So this is what we have in what should be the best uh, energy-producing state in the country. This is what we have. And by the way... There's another, I don't have the quote here. Well, I have the quote. I don't have the video here. But in Idaho, just north of Wyoming, Jack Nelson, who's a state senator there, Republican senator, he said at a town hall, someone asked him about E-Verify, well, I don't want to lose our workforce, he said. (laughs) So the invasion is fine. So this is just broadly getting back to what we were talking about with the interview um, with the... you know, not the interview, but the endorsement of Chris Sununu of Nikki Haley, the Republican Party has not changed. You either have Kerry Lakes, which are just ineffective, just whatever she was doing there, vacuuming the floor under Trump at Mar-a-Lago, promoting the log log cabin Republicans, or you have Mark Gordon's and, and all these people that just... They're for criminal justice reform. They're for you know social liberalism. They're for illegal immigration, and a lot of them are 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 bought out by the green grift. I mean, in the reddest states. 
Here's another article. Trump secures massive slate of Mississippi GOP endorsements. Again, every single establishment person under the sun, eight of nine statewide elected officials endorsed him. The jerk-off governor, Roger Wickerbasket, um, all these leftists. It's a complete joke. You have the merger of the Trump establishment. Except we get the lowest common denominator of both. We get the electoral drag of Trump, but the policies of the establishment. Nothing changes. Nothing, nothing changes. Finally, just wanted to go over one more thing. Gosh, there's so much more. I hate to leave this year with so much on the table. And I'm I'm sorry, you know, we have here, we go off broadcast early, but I do hope to put out videos. I do have a Rumble channel I'll tell you about. I kind of use every year during that two-week break to put out short videos when we don't have a show. So you can follow me. I'll be on Twitter as well, as always, at Arm Conservative. But one of the things Sheriff Lamb mentioned that we forget about are the NGOs. We fund the left-wing It would be like Democrats funding government to fund Patriot Academy or something. You know, that's what it is. They're funding left-wing NGOs to facilitate their issues and help their get-out-the-vote effort. So, obviously, you know, he mentioned the thing about Catholic Charities, all these organizations. That needs to be a part of a border bill empowering states to deport, obviously ending catch and release, but also cutting off funding to NGOs. Oh, but we need them to help. No, you end the invasion, so there's no need to process. You're finding a similar concept with the NGOs, and this this is something that we really need to hear from the next president, whether it's State Department, whether it's DHS, whether it's HUD, whether it's EPA. So much of the tyranny so much of the decrepit policies are funded by taxpayers funneled through the most licentious left-wing NGOs. Uh, There's another example from the State Department, the Washington Free Beacon. The Biden administration awarded hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayer money to an anti-Israel nonprofit that pushed fake news about the Hamas-Israel war. There's this, this organization called Men action, men action, men a a, men a action Inc. A Virginia-based nonprofit. Um, to train Jordanian journalists how to identify fake news. That's what they do. And it was funded. <laughs> give it, given five hundred seventy-three thousand by the State Department. And they pushed the, this claim that Israel blew up the hospital. Remember when it was really Islamic Jihad that did it? It's unbelievable. And they recently awarded 260000 to a Palestinian university that held Hamas as righteous martyrs. They've been known to do that. The DHS awarded millions of dollars to Hamas that have called for the annihilation of Jews. So one thing we need to go through is we need an audit of every single left-wing, Muslim Brotherhood, Islamic Jihad, any evil, un-American, anti-American NGO, and it needs to get defunded 
immediately. And that is something a president can do right away, right away. So we're about at a time, uh, you know, very good discussion there. Again, this is something I'm very passionate about, a citizen's defense force, um, part of our effort to harden the values, security, liberty of red areas. We need to create our Noah's Ark, our refuge to evacuate to. Uh, we have a lot going on. The next last three shows of the year will be blockbuster. Tomorrow we have a long-standing border agent and National Guardsman. He did both at the same time, who quit the military and quit Border Patrol. And he has a lot to say. We'll have him on tomorrow. And then we'll have a special guest later this week as well. Stay tuned. I uh, hope you guys could help me spread the word. Send this show to every one of your friends and relatives. If you can give us a five-star rating on iTunes, we'd really, really appreciate it. Uh, with a comment, helps us sail above the algorithms. You could always email me, danielhorowitz at startmail.com. Again, let me know if you're interested in either another handgun training or rifle defensive training at Patriot Academy. We could set up a date. Till tomorrow, God bless you all, and thank you for listening. <laughs>